Well, if you will, please take a copy of God's Word or the bulletin before you and turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. We, this week, are taking a break from Acts, and we will be for the next several weeks um, as we get closer to Easter. Uh, This morning, we are looking at the topic of missions and how we participate in missions as normal, everyday people as we send, pray, and go. Before we begin, I just want to share a startling statistic with you. Um, You think about trained pastors. Now, for this illustration or this fact, trained pastor means someone who has received at least one hour, one hour, of some sort of formal or almost formal training as a pastor. So in America, there are, there's one trained pastor for every 230 uh, members of churches. Okay, So 200, one for every 230. When you think about believers worldwide, do you know how many trained pastors there are per believer worldwide? One for every 450,000. One for every 450,000. So when we think about the need for foreign missions, it's a statistic like that that helps put it into context. Now, you don't have to go to seminary to be used by God. I don't mean that. But as you think about God raising up ordained pastors, elders, and deacons to lead His church, one for every 450,000 believers worldwide. Wow. So we pick up in Romans chapter 10. Verses 5 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what He has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God, the inerrant, authoritative, true, and trustworthy word of God, it will stand forever. Let's pray. So, Father, as we turn now to your word, we pray that you would be with us and anoint us by your spirit. And that you would use a sinful, wicked, crooked stick to show the narrow way of Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Why, why should we give to missions? Have you ever thought about that? Why should we give to support missions? You know, there are a lot of really good causes that we are bombarded with every day. Don't you get tired of all the emails and the phone calls 
you know, especially the car warranty phone calls. Do you get those too? All, all of the asks, and once you get on somebody's list, the Alabama Alumni Association has tried three times to get a hold of me this week, and I actually do like to talk to them, but they keep calling during supper. All these people asking for your money. So what are you to do? I mean, those are, there's some really good things, really good causes as we care for people and support causes that care for God's creation. Those are good things to support. But we really should, should divide and think of our giving in two different categories. Because while those are good things, and, they, and many of those charities can help people on this side of whatever comes next, there's, there's really only one thing that we can invest in that has eternal benefits, an eternal investment. And that is ministry and missions. Because see, our funds, as we send and pray and go, they can change not just someone's life on this side of death, but their eternal destinies. Why do we support missions? Because people go to hell unless they know Jesus. That's, that's the final reason, right? That's the ultimate reason. Why do we get to missions? Because people go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. But see, we have this opportunity as we sin, pray, and go to tell people about the amazing news that there is salvation in the God who came and died that we might be forgiven, raised on the third day, that we might live with Him forever. You know, one of the issues that faces our world and culture right now is that we just don't like taking responsibility for anything, right? Whether you're on the right or the left, you turn on the MSNBC, MSNBC or Fox News, they're always blaming someone else other than themselves. Every administration blames the guy that's come went before them or the guy who's coming next. We don't like taking responsibility for anything. What, what is, whose responsibility is it? To seek to advance the kingdom of God here and around the world. Whose responsibility is that? You know, it's the person sitting next to you in the seat. And the one sitting across the room. But you're also the person sitting next to someone else. And sitting across the room from someone else. Whose responsibility? It's, It's our responsibility. To send and to pray and to go. You know, we pray every Sunday that God's kingdom would come on earth as it, is, as it is in heaven. Are we willing to labor to make that a reality? According to the latest UN data, 58,390,000 people die worldwide each year. So just shy of 60 million people die each year. <clears throat> That's 159,973 a day, 6,666 6, an hour. 11 per minute, or almost 2 per second. People die every day. Now, now so here's the thing. I don't, I don't know what percentage of those know the Lord and which ones don't. But if we look at how many people in the world have never heard the gospel, or even those who have heard the gospel not responded in faith, not only in our country but around the world, people are dying and going to hell every day. Why do we do missions? So that fewer people go to hell and more people go to heaven. There are other reasons too, as we seek the glory of God, as we are obedient to the call of the Great Commission, but ultimately people go to hell if they don't know Jesus. And the good news is contained in verse 13 of our text. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Isn't that great news? People who call on the name of the Lord, no matter your background, your race, your socioeconomic situation, your culture, your language, none of those things matter when it comes to calling on the name of the Lord. And if you call on the name of the Lord, that is Old Testament language for conversion. If you, if you believe in Jesus Christ as you repent of your sins, you put your faith in what He has done on the cross, you can be saved and spend an eternity in heaven. But here's the thing. You must know that. You must hear that. That the one true and living God, that He was hanged upon a cross, and He paid the penalty for our sins. Right? Why do we do missions? Why do we send, pray, and go? That's the classic way of talking about these things. That's not original to me. Well, it's because people go to hell. That's the bad news. The good news is we have the good news. And how do we mobilize? How do we get the good news to people who need to hear the good news? Well, we send, pray, and go. Ultimately, it's a matter of logistics. You know, uh, UPS, isn't it UPS, the logistics people? Isn't that one of their phrases? Or FedEx, one of those guys. Well, the thing is that we as God's people, we're in the business of logistics as well. And we see that in verses 14 through 15. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we think about logistics. Um, I think back to this last Thursday. I I mailed a letter to Cambridge, England. Uh, I mailed a letter to a ministry that I've had some connections with in the past. And I began this letter Wednesday night before youth and finished it Thursday morning when I came back in the office. And you know, it it sat on my desk for a little bit before it got mailed. It, It was a letter of encouragement and thanks for some people that really poured into my life. But, you know, as long as it stayed on my desk, it it did really no good to Kevin Moss, the director of Cambridge Christian Heritage, a great ministry. right? It it had no benefit to him unless it was communicated, unless there were logistics that were worked out. Think about the logistics of how it got from here to there, or Lord willing, will, I guess. First, it cost something. It did cost money. It cost the church, I don't know, a few pennies for the stationery I used. Some fountain pen ink, and, and it cost me $1.20 on my personal Trustmark card for the international stamp to get it over there. But think about all the logistics that have to, have to happen between here and 4,442 miles, between here as the crow flies, to Cambridge. All the people involved to get one small note to the door of the Vestry Church in Cambridge. But what an encouragement it'll be when it gets there. The problem that Paul presents in 14 through 15 is one of logistics of people and finances. In verse 14, we see that while the good news of the gospel is offered to all who will believe, they must first hear the gospel in order to believe it. And why must they hear? Because this is the way that God normally converts people is through the hearing of the word and responding in faith as the Holy Spirit regenerates the heart. We see that in verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. As we think about the missionaries that we support, the list is on the back of your bulletin, by the way. As we think about the missionaries that we support, some of them are directly involved with getting the word of God to the people. Think about the efforts of the Ashmans in Ecuador, 
uh, Rick is actually translating the Old Testament language into uh, the language of the Quechua people. Right? The Quechua people do not have the Old Testament in their language. They cannot hear preach from the pulpit uh, about the fall of Adam and Eve. Or Genesis 3.15, which foretells the coming of the Messiah for the first time in Scripture. Or the story of Abraham and Isaac upon the mountain and how God promised that He would provide, ultimately pointing us to Christ. Or the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, the one who we esteemed stricken and smitten by God. They, they can't hear those things because there's not an Old Testament in their language. And so Rick is working to get that done. Right? What about the efforts of Freddie Boswell working with Wycliffe Bible translators? See, just like there's not an Old Testament Quechua language, there's also not an Old Testament translation in the Chiquiholo language of the Solomon Islands. About 11,000 people speak that language in the Solomon Islands, and they have no Old Testament. Right? This is important work because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But in order for people to hear the gospel and believe, it must be proclaimed. Someone must actually tell them the good news. This is true whether or not we're talking about our our own physical neighbors, your physical neighbor, or our um, folks that we're reaching through our missionaries, places like Senegal. We have missionaries in Senegal. Andrew and Gina Lotz are serving there. You know, they're a young couple with two young girls. Do you know what they're doing to reach people for Christ? They're actually um, using... Farming and improving the farming techniques of the local farmers as a way to tell them about Jesus. They're coming alongside folks who are having a hard time even providing for their families because they just don't know how to work the ground in a helpful way. And as they are doing that, they are earning the right to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, discipling them not just in farming but also in the Lord. As they help sow the ground with them, they are sowing the seeds of the gospel into their hearts. You know, these... Farmers need to hear the good news, and someone must tell them, and that's what Andrew and Gina are doing. But again, it is a matter of logistics. How in the world can Andrew and Gina afford to do what they're doing? You know, it makes no sense financially to do what they're doing. If you look at what they're doing from a financial sense, there's no payback for them, right? As they help those farmers increase the yield of their peanuts, their cotton, their millet, Uh, and their corn and rice, the the major agricultural products of Senegal, they're not getting any of it back. And even if they were, it would be a very small price. There's no financial gain in it for them. How does that happen? Well, it, it, it means that others must invest eternally in them as they make eternal investments into others. Or Freddie Boswell. You know, Freddie's been here many, many times to our missions conferences. I'm sure many of you know him. Do you know how he's doing his translation work? Well, praise God that we have some technology because during COVID, he hasn't been able to travel to the Solomon Islands. So he's actually doing most of the translation work from Tennessee. But he's got to get to the Solomons soon. They cannot finish the translation until the translators sit down face-to-face with each other for at least six weeks in the Solomons. Do you know how much a plane ticket costs to get to the Solomons? Between two and $4,000, if you can find one. Or how about those scared young mothers in our county who have no support from their family? Think about the wonderful ministry of Save-A-Life as they seek to not just save children, but to win souls and transform whole lives. 
but we must send them. It's a matter of logistics. So the solution here is threefold of send, pray, and go. And the sending is the first um, application here. You know, the, the issues of sending, praying, and going, these things are dear to my heart. And the reason for that, one, is because my parents modeled this for me as a child. I remember sitting around the table with people like Dr. Jim Anderson, missionary, who is still in Germany training pastors. I even remember what he ate one morning when I was a young kid. I remember going with him to get gas in his rental car, and I stood and looked at him as he handed a track to the attendant behind the cash register. Said, what are you doing? Or I remember the, the cultural distance when the South Korean missionaries came and stayed at our house, or when Randall McCauley came to our house, a missionary in England, and invited me to come and spend two summers with them, working with them. Something I did and had a huge impact in my life. They, my, my, my parents helped model this. And, and as we send, as we pray and we go, we not only do this for others, we also model it for our children and our grandchildren, that they might continue as well. It's also dear to my heart because when I graduated seminary, I I went on staff at a small church in downtown Montgomery called Two Cities Church. And y'all, great things were happening in downtown Montgomery. People were being converted and discipled and counseled. They were being released on downtown Montgomery to serve and to do the same with other people. The problem is Two Cities Church could only afford to pay a quarter of my salary. So the rest of it had to come from, from others as they invested in the souls of those who lived in downtown Montgomery. And so for almost three years, I raised support for my salary. And y'all, that was one of the most um, challenging times in my life. And yet it was so exciting as we stepped out on faith to see, see what the Lord would do. And you know, we never went without, ever. Things were tight sometimes. And I didn't get my first full paycheck for about 18 months. But it happened to be the same month that Christy quit working when we had Thomas. It's almost like God had planned that. I saw rich people give little and poor people give a lot. I saw people I knew well ignore me. And people I hardly knew at all send in big checks. I had a lot of heartbreaks, a lot of triumphs, a lot of yeses, and a lot of more noes. How does God send people to the mission field? We can answer that question in a lot of different ways. The first is he calls that person, right? Working through their lives, converting them to salvation, and then then working through their upbringing or through the things they're exposed to, to give them a desire to go and be a part of missions. But then he also, at the same time, is working in the lives of the missions agencies that call them. And then also he's working in the lives and finances of those who would send them. See, as we think about logistics, God provides the money that is needed for missions. And do you know how He provides it? He puts it in our pockets. And then He calls us to have a little bit looser grip on our own pockets. This is what's behind 1 Corinthians 3.9. For we are God's fellow workers. What an amazing thing for God to say, that we are God's fellow workers. Workers, that we would be co laborers with God, that He would invite us to be part of this ministry, that we would see men and women, boys and girls, directly impacted by even the smallest of gifts. 
So the first way we participate in missions is by sending others financially through our gifts. And we give according to the measure that God has blessed us with. Those who make 30 grand a year should not be giving 10 million a year, right? And nor should you feel guilty if you're not. But those who make, you know, 100 million a year probably shouldn't be given $5 a month. It's all in proportion to what God has given us. But let me tell you the power of even small gifts, of a $5 gift. Let me tell you what that'll do. When I was on staff at Two Cities, uh, my office was a closet. It's not a joke. Uh, it's funny, but it's, uh, it's real. I was in a storage closet with no windows. And so I had a lot of motivation not to spend a lot of time in my office, which was great because we were a mission church seeking to uh, reach others for Christ. And so I spent most of my time at places like Starbucks and Chick-fil-A and Panera Bread. I knew all the places that would give you free refills on coffee. Because I could go in the morning time and set up appointments for the entire day and just drink uh, one cup of coffee. They lost money on me. Well, at Starbucks, what would $5 do? We spent a lot of time at Starbucks. In fact, we saw a great movement of God at that Starbucks on Zelda Road as many of the people on staff ended up coming to our church. And then we saw many more people discipled and counseled over those wood tables as I paid my $1.65 for my cup of coffee, and then as I bought two others, that's $4.95. So I could have two meetings off of a $5 gift. And y'all, there are a lot of people whose conversion stories and significant moments of meeting with God involve coffee. And $5 can go a long way in the kingdom of God. God is glorified by small gifts, if that's what we can give. But you know, as I sat down with people to ask them to support us financially, that's an intimidating and hard thing to do, let me tell you something. There were many people who, who could not support us, even when they had a desire to. And I understood that. It's not my money. It was God and theirs. I had no right to their money. If God wanted them to give, they would. That's between them and the Lord. But I loved it when they said, I cannot support you. But I will pray for you every day. I would rather have that. And that's not one of those preachy things that you're supposed to say as a pastor. Right? That, that was the truth. I would have rather had their fervent prayers every day than even a large check. And this is one of the ways that we can support our missionaries. Because at some point, we can only give so much. We should give, perhaps even until it hurts. But alongside giving... And perhaps more importantly than giving, we need to be in fervent prayer for our missionaries. See, our missionaries are engaged every day, every day in spiritual warfare. Our missionaries here in the States, like house parents at Palmer Home for Children, to those who are serving overseas like the Martins in England, these folks, my friends, are facing greater challenges, much greater challenges than low bank accounts. They're facing pushback from Satan himself. And let me tell you something. Satan plays dirty. He plays dirty. He will go after your families, after your marriage, after your church, after your children, after your health. You better believe it. If he can find a chink in the armor, he'll go after it with every bit of his effort. But God uses the prayers of his people here in Bruton, Alabama, over in England, over in Senegal, over in Mexico, down in Brazil, to protect our missionaries. And to use them for kingdom extension. 
So how can we pray for our missionaries? Well, we should pray that their ministry would be fruitful. There would be a great harvest of souls in places like England and Ukraine and the Solomon Islands. We pray for God's protection physically and spiritually for those who are serving in dangerous places like Mexico and Brazil. For the marriages of our missionaries in Senegal and Ecuador. And for their children. For the families they left behind. For their financial support. For their time in in the Word. For their fight with loneliness and discouragement. One of the chief challenges on the mission field is just discouragement and feeling like you're alone. Being, being, being so far away from everyone you know and love. We can pray for the Holy Spirit to raise up more laborers and more missionaries. How do we support missions? We sin, we pray, and finally we go. Finally we go. Right? As we pray for the Holy Spirit to raise up more missionaries, perhaps there's someone even in our congregation who is being called to local, domestic, or foreign missions. Right? It's out of churches that God calls His people to go. Have you ever thought about missions? Have you ever thought about going? Even as we think about here locally, as we think about missionary, uh, mission agencies like Palmer Home for Children in Mississippi, They actually need folks who can come and serve as house parents occasionally. We know someone who is actually a widow and later in life who has gone and done this, relocated. Or or helping out at at Save a Life, right? And just helping answer the phone. Those are things that that anybody can do. You, You can do those things. Because see, the thing is, here in Bruton, Alabama, we have a target rich environment. There are a bunch of lost folks here in town. We don't know who they are. God does. And we're called to be faithful to reach out to them. You think about in Bruton, Alabama, where I have had people ask me, what happened at Easter? What is Christmas about? I've had those questions asked of me. In Bruton, Alabama, where there are people who only hear the name of the Lord when it is taken in vain. Only time they hear the name of the Lord. Or in Bruton, Alabama, we have folks who are physically hungry, who are, do not have enough food. Not to mention having a famine of the Word of God in their homes. In Bruton, Alabama, we have plenty of folks. We are surrounded by folks who are struggling to have any hope. Just make it through the day. In Bruton, Alabama, we have people who have never darkened the door of a church. Never been in a church, period. And then we have others who have darkened it many times and think that that's what saves them. There are plenty of opportunities here in Bruton. But let us not also call, forget the call to reach the lost worldwide. Right? We are to start with those near us. In fact, when they interview missionaries, the first thing, one of the first things they ask is, uh, tell me about what you're doing now where you live. Because wherever you live, you need to be reaching out, whether it's called a Bruton, Alabama, or in London, England, or in Senegal, or in Brazil. When you're a missionary, you just move somewhere else to do what we're called to do here. Right? So maybe the Lord's calling you on a short-term mission trip. Many of you have been on those. What a great opportunity. Or others, you remember the Zabrowskis? I don't know if you remember that name. Some of our missionaries were supported for a while. They served for three to five years. God called them for a shorter, longer period, right? Not, not a long, long term. A medium term. Or perhaps it is long term. Like others, like the Basels and the Phillips that we've supported. But what if you're not a preacher? 
Does that mean you can't be a missionary? If you look on that list of missionaries, the foreign missionaries, there are nine items on there. One of them is a school. And there are eight actual missionaries or families. Do you know of, how, of, of those eight, do you know how many are pastors? Three. Only three. The rest of them are quote-unquote normal everyday people. Let me tell you about them. Um, Nono Beal, serving in Mexico. Do you know what he did? I knew him growing up. He worked in construction. Right? Bradley Cordell, as he heads up a publishing ministry for Ukrainian uh, uh, documents that help proclaim the, the Word of God. you know what he did before he started serving Ukraine? He was in the HVAC industry. Ruth Dinkins, she's a teacher. we got a lot of teachers in this church. Andrew Lotes, do you know what his background is? Agriculture, right? And Jerry Martin, this was my favorite. Jerry Martin, he was a sales manager for porta potties. Okay? <laughs> Let's not forget that Paul was a persecutor of the church, and probably over half the apostles smelled because they were fishermen. So the Lord is at work through the missionaries who support us at church. And we've had the opportunity to partner with many of these missionaries for a long, long time, sometimes for decades. And the Lord has used the pockets, the dollars that He has put in the pockets of His people here in Bruton all over the world for generations. And so this is what we continue to do through the faith promise. As a church, the money that goes to support these missionaries does not come from the general fund. We are first called to give to God our tithe, and anything above that is called an offering. The faith promise is a special offering, and it goes just to missions here and around the world. It's completely voluntary. It's between you and the Lord. I have no clue what anyone gives or if you give to the general fund or to the faith promise. I don't even see these, uh, these cards. I don't even see who, who has pledged what. It's between you and the Lord, but it is a powerful way to make eternal investments all over the world. Last year, we uh, as a church pledged 33000 and with that, much ministry was done to support the missionaries on the back of the bulletin. Uh, this year, we currently stand in pledges at about 24000 and it seems that we're starting to plateau. Uh, my goal this morning is not to guilt you into giving. That's not godly. That is not godly. If you feel your arm twisted, then don't give. Right? Pray about it and return to it next week. My goal is not to twist your arm. My, more, my goal this morning is to challenge you, though. To challenge you. To consider, if you've never given before to missions, to the faith promise, would you consider it this year? And it may mean that you don't go out to eat one week a, a month. And it may mean that there's a little bit of a sacrifice. But remember those five dollars and how just five dollars can go a long way for the word of God to get out. Would you consider giving? Small gifts add up to a lot if a lot of people give small things. Um, even perhaps the stimulus check, if you don't need it, that might be a creative way to provide for, for God's kingdom around the world. So a few practical points. You have before you the pledge cards that are in the bulletins. and the, They're all over the place. You should have access to one. If the Lord is leading you to give to missions to the faith promise, if you will please fill one of those out and return the top part to the church. If you're a member watching online or recorded later, 
Um, you can call or email the church since you don't have a card, and we'll be glad to, to get that signed up. If you are making a one-time gift, please uh, fill out the card so we can properly keep track of where we stand. But let me finish by reading a text of Scripture, because this is where we're headed. So as the Lord uses us to send, pray, and go all over the world, people from every language group, tribe, ethnic background, culture, people are being saved from every corner of the world. And one day when we get to heaven, and as we stand in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be praising the Lord with people that we've had an impact on indirectly by giving and by praying and perhaps even going. And let me, let me read you what that looks like. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. So Lord, we do pray for that day that it would come hurtling towards us quickly when, this, when history itself is ended and we live with our God. The dwelling place of God is with man. Until then, Lord, we pray that you would use us mightily to reach the lost here and around the world. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.